Good morning. Breaking overnight, leaving Las Vegas. The Raiders, John Gruden, one of the NFL's highest paid and most high profile head coaches, resigns in disgrace. A decade long trail of leaked emails revealing racist, homophobic, and misogynistic messages, mocking players, insulting Commissioner Roger Goodell, and even blasting attempts to limit concussions. The drama playing out in the middle of Monday Night Football where he worked for years as a star analyst. So what's next for him, the Raiders, and the NFL? We're live with the very latest. Dangerous decision. The governor of Texas issues an executive order banning all vaccine mandates across the state, public, private, even health care facilities. While in Washington, the FDA gets set for a major hearing on the future of booster shots. Will we be one step closer to boosters for everybody? We'll have everything you need to know. Brutal scene. A small plane crash Whoa. cuts a path of destruction through a neighborhood near San Diego, killing two people, injuring others, and destroying several homes. It's a war zone. It's not even a house. This morning, the stunning toll of damage, the warnings to the pilot that he was flying too low moments before the crash. Breaking overnight, the Justice Department asks a federal appeals court to block that controversial abortion ban in Texas while it fights to overturn the new law. So is the showdown destined to land in the Supreme Court? All that plus airport chaos. Southwest customers set to face another day of canceled or delayed flights. This morning, the airline's new apology and what it says is the source of the ongoing travel nightmare. Today, Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Welcome to today. It's a Tuesday morning. So happy you're starting it with us. Red Sox Nation, can you hear them? Oh, they're so excited. Actually, I hear them in my ear. Our, all of our producers are Red Sox fans. Uh, a lot of breaking stories yeah. overnight to get to, including the governor of Texas now banning COVID vaccine mandates by any employer in the state. What's the fallout from that? We're live with the latest. Meantime, this marks day five of those massive flight disruptions for Southwest Airlines with even more trouble for thousands of customers expected today. So just how bad will it be and when will this whole thing end? Sam Brock live in Miami with more. Then we begin with the news rocking the NFL this morning that Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden has resigned. Yeah, here's the reason. A slew of troubling emails containing messages of hate, racism and homophobia. NBC Steve Patterson joins us now with details. Hey, Steve, good morning. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Before he stepped down, John Gruden was one of the most high-profile, highest-paid coaches in the NFL. His controversial remarks contained in leak emails dug, dug up over the course of nearly a decade. The league was quick to condemn his behavior, all as it struggles with its own image. Overnight, a stunning fall from grace broadcast to millions of primetime football fans. NFL coach and former Monday Night Football analyst John Gruden announcing his exit as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after emails uncovered as part of a separate investigation revealed a torrent of sexist, racist, anti-gay language aimed at a slew of targets ranging from players to league officials. In a statement to the team, Gruden saying in part, I love the Raiders and do not wish to be a distraction. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. 
The emails, confirmed by the NFL but not seen by NBC News, were initially discovered during an NFL workplace misconduct investigation into the Washington football team while Gruden was an analyst for ESPN. Last week, it was learned Gruden used a racist trope to describe NFL union chief DeMaurice Smith in a 2011 email, writing Dumborius Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires. Then the floodgates opened last night with a New York Times report detailing even more troubling emails showing Gruden using offensive language to insult NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, also calling the league's first openly gay player Michael Sam a queer, disparaging players who protested during the national anthem, panning the hiring of female referees and mocking league efforts to reduce concussions. It wasn't just something that crossed his mind, which is bad, but that he then took that thought, formalized it in a writing and hit send. People say all sorts of things sort of on the cuff that they shouldn't. This is more than that. According to The Times, Gruden also exchanged emailed photos with other men showing women wearing only bikini bottoms, including NFL cheerleaders. In his statement, the league slammed Gruden's actions, calling them appalling, abhorrent, and wholly contrary to the NFL's values. And Steve, this all comes at a tumultuous time for the NFL, a lot of other challenges. So what does this mean for the league going forward? You know, Hutter, the league is in the middle of an attempted renaissance, trying to reform its image by allowing players to voice their concerns about social justice, even allowing them to wear messages on their helmets. This will be seen as yet another turning point with questions about a toxic culture, likely only leading to the beginning of a deeper look at behavior inside the NFL on top of, of course, what happens to Gruden's 10-year, $100 million contract. All right, Steve Patterson for us there in Los Angeles. Steve, thank you. We're following more breaking news overnight. The Justice Department urging a federal appeals court to suspend that sweeping and controversial abortion law in Texas while this ongoing legal battle plays out. NBC's Morgan Chesky is in Van Horn, Texas for us this morning. Morgan, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. And the legal back and forth over the nation's most restrictive abortion law is now causing a ripple effect well outside the state of Texas. There are reports of patient backlogs in clinics in neighboring states. And now the Justice Department calling on an appeals court to stop the ban it calls unconstitutional. The U.S. Justice Department taking aim at Texas's new abortion law, calling on a federal appellate court to halt the abortion ban for now, while its suit challenging the new law is appealed. In its filing, the DOJ says allowing the ban to remain in effect would disserve the public interest, adding that Texas has not even attempted to defend the law's constitutionality in this court. The filing comes days after a three-judge panel temporarily reinstated the state law known as SB 8, which bans most abortions after six weeks. Welcome news for the measure's supporters. We know that there's going to be a lot of attempts to try to take down this law, but the fact that it has saved about 100 lives a day for over a month, meaning over 3,000 lives saved, is uh, just an incredible victory, an incredible impact. In addition to banning most abortions, the Texas law provides no exceptions for rape or incest, and it allows citizens to sue anyone involved with providing abortion services after six weeks. The Justice Department sued Texas after SB 8 took effect last month, arguing the law deprives women of their constitutional rights. Last week, a federal judge agreed, temporarily blocking the measure until the appeals court reinstated that law on Friday. 
the legal back and forth now sparking protests nationwide. Abortion rights advocates say the laws force Texas women to seek abortion services in neighboring states, in some cases causing month-long backlogs at clinics. Now they're urging Congress to take action. We can no longer rely on the courts to protect access to abortion care and autonomy of reproductive decision making. We are going to have to have statutory support in order to make this finally, once and for all, the law of the land. And Texas is not alone. Republicans in other states are also filing similar measures, including in Florida, where abortion rights advocates are calling on the Supreme Court to please step in. As of right now, the highest court in the land has allowed the law to go into effect without ruling on its constitutionality. But in December, it will hear a Mississippi case that could challenge the landmark decision of Roe v. Wade. Savannah. All right. It's all leading up to that. Morgan, thank you. Now to the pandemic and a decision in Texas that's raising the eyebrows of health officials nationwide. The governor announcing he is now banning vaccine mandates across the entire state. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has more on that. Hey, Miguel, good morning. Hoda, good morning. The numbers are all continuing to trend in the right directions. New cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are all down. And now some 84 million Americans vaccinated with Moderna and Johnson & Johnson could soon learn if they'll qualify for a booster. But all of this comes amid that new overnight push against vaccine mandates. Overnight, a shot across the bow in the culture wars over the COVID vaccine. Texas Governor Greg Abbott issuing an executive order banning all state entities, including private businesses, from requiring vaccination from anyone who objects based on a religious belief or for medical reasons, including prior recovery from COVID-19. Abbott adding the COVID-19 vaccine is safe, effective and our best defense against the virus, but should remain voluntary and never forced. The country is at a crucial point in the fight against the virus, with cases declining in areas where vaccinations are high, but that trend requiring the rest of the country get vaccinated. A staggering 67 million who were eligible to be inoculated still refuse to do so. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but we're still losing upwards of 10,000 Americans plus every week. It comes as those Americans who are vaccinated now wondering if they need another shot. With nearly 8 million Americans having already received their booster shot from Pfizer, at the end of this week, the FDA could begin to clear the way for the first Moderna and Johnson & Johnson boosters, a federal safety panel set to meet Thursday and Friday in what will be another closely watched hearing. We're at that critical point, October 19th, where a majority of the country has been vaccinated for at least six months, and that's the sweet time period of when we would see breakthrough infections. Many experts believe boosters for some will be green lighted as they were for Pfizer when older Americans and those at higher risk I'm ready. were cleared for a third dose. The FDA will also hear more on the effectiveness of mixing different vaccines to boost immunity. This morning, as the U.S. continues to suffer devastating setbacks, our nation is also taking steps forward in the battle against COVID. 
While officials are still working to convince million more to get the jab, there is some optimism related to the level of vaccinations among those 18 and older, with nearly 80 percent having already received one dose and 68 percent fully vaccinated so far. And Hoda, we should mention in Texas, 52 percent of those who are eligible to be vaccinated are. Hoda. All right, Miguel Almaguer for us in L.A. Miguel, thank you. We're learning more this morning about the tragic crash of a small plane into a residential neighborhood near San Diego. At least two people were killed, several homes destroyed. And this morning, investigators say the pilot received repeated warnings that he was flying too low. NBC's Emily Ikeda joins us from the scene. Emily, good morning to you. Good morning. The debris field from the plane crash stretches an entire block. You can see behind me charred and burned out vehicles and homes that took the brunt of the impact. Firefighters describing the scene as brutal. Yo! Terror on the ground after a small plane crash caught a San Diego suburb completely by surprise. Second alarm for an aircraft crash into a structure and vehicle. Security cameras capturing the small twin engine Cessna falling in a near nosedive on Monday afternoon. Moments before, air traffic control pleading with the pilot. 2-2 Golf, low altitude alert. Climb immediately. Climb the airplane. Maintain 5,000. The impact killing at least two people and igniting a fire that engulfed multiple homes. We believe that the injuries are non-survivable for anyone that was on that plane. A thick plume of smoke seen from blocks away. Residents watching in horror. Is anybody home? Neighbors rushed to rescue an elderly couple trapped on their burning property. One woman pulled from a back window. Her husband hauled through their fence. I yelled again, is there anybody in here? And then I heard a voice in the backyard and he was like, yes, yes, I can't get out. And I could see that he had uh, like flash burns that, and his hair was singed. Jim Slaff's parents now hospitalized, but alive. It's a war zone. It's not even a house. Also among the lives lost, a UPS driver. His scorched delivery truck apparently clipped by the plane's wing as it came down. Cardiologist Dr. Sugata Das owns the plane that crashed just 10 miles away from its destination. The hospital he worked at says Dr. Doss leaves a lasting legacy. The FAA was not sure how many people were on board the plane, and fire officials say the total number of deaths is still unknown. It's a pretty brutal scene uh, for our guys, and we're trying to comb through it. With crews sifting through the charred remains, the NTSB has joined the investigation, seeking to answer the question on everyone's mind. What caused this catastrophic crash? And nearby residents say they heard a sputtering sound as the plane came crashing to the ground, something the NTSB will certainly take into consideration as it tries to pinpoint what led to this tragic crash. We're told an investigator is set to get on site here at some point this morning. We're also hearing from residents it's not the first time something like this has happened. In fact, it's the third deadly plane crash here in Santee in the last six years, according to NTSB documents. Savannah. Oh, wow. Emily Ikeda at the scene for us. Thank you, Emily. 15 minutes past the hour. A lot more to get to. We're welcome Craig in. Morning. Hey, Hoda Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. A state of emergency has now been declared in Puerto Rico because a wave of blackouts have impacted hundreds of thousands there in recent weeks. Officials say that the island's aging power plants have reached critical condition. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez has made his way to San Juan. Forrest, Gabe, good morning to you. 
Craig, good morning. This island, with its more than 3 million American citizens, has faced power problems before, but there's new frustration. And in Congress, a House committee is now looking into these outages. This morning, across Puerto Rico, an urgent power struggle, frequent blackouts, at times impacting hundreds of thousands of people. We are having practically weekly uh, shutdowns. Four years ago, Hurricanes Irma and Maria slammed into the island, decimating Puerto Rico's already crumbling infrastructure. Now, officials say the island's power grid is in critical condition. It's a combination of you know, different factors that led to where we are. PREPA is the bankrupt government-owned public utility. It says the problem is outdated equipment, not enough money, and perhaps surprisingly, seaweed. Some people might, you know, look at this, and people throughout Puerto Rico, they're like, really? Seaweed? And that's causing some problems here? Yeah, because we have had on, the, on the, our screens a lot of seaweed, and it, is prevent, it was preventing the water to, to get in into the condenser. This summer, a private company, Luma Energy, took over transmission and distribution, bringing in more than 3,000 workers. You know, electricity in Puerto Rico has been in a terrible state for a very long time. Why is it worse now than it was before you took over? I actually think in many ways there have been um, improvements in, in the way that people contact us, in the way that, that you know, we rolled out some new digital tools. But the lights but are still going out. What I say to customers and what I say to customers every day is this will get better. Brenda Otero owns a bakery near San Juan. Every time the lights go out, this she loses open. money. I think the last week I, I could lose like a thousand dollars. How frustrating is it when the power goes out over and over again? I get frustrated. We get mad. We really get mad. And again, the House committee has asked to see data related to these outages. Meanwhile, FEMA has set aside nearly $10 billion to help rebuild the power grid here. There are projects in the pipeline, but they likely won't be approved until at least next year, Craig. Yeah, you've got to wonder if that were happening on the mainland here in the United States, what the reaction would be. Gabe Gutierrez Force in San Juan. Gabe, thank you. All right, we'll get a first check of the weather. Mm -hmm. Al, is that snow I see on the big board back there? Whoa. Oh, my gosh, where'd that come from? <laughs> it looks like snow. It is, uh, Montana. <laughs> Part of a system that's bringing snow to the Rockies and the first major winter storm, and it's just going to keep going. Let's show you what we got. Uh, we are looking today at this system pushing in, and, in fact, we have winter storm warnings, winter storm watches, and winter weather advisories, gusty winds, poor visibility, difficult driving conditions from Billings, Mon Billings Montana, all the way down to the Grand Canyon out to Casper, Wyoming. Uh, Ahead of the system, we've got severe weather. Dodge City, Oklahoma City, Dallas up to Alliance. Five million people for damaging winds, hail, and a few isolated tornadoes possible with this system. A lot of moisture now coming up out of the south. Heavy snow in the rocky slick travel there. Violent storms erupting in the south central plains as we move into tomorrow. Extra moisture from tropical storm or Pacific storm Pamela will funnel into this. We've got flash flood watches tomorrow into Thursday from uh San Antonio all the way to Dallas as the system pushes to the east. Heavy rain, some places six to ten inches of rain. And look it into the Rockies from Durango to Casper on into Rock Springs. We're talking some places picking up to a foot of snow in the upper elevations, maybe even as much as two feet of snow. And that's your latest weather, guys. Al, thank you. Coming up, passengers of Southwest Airlines bracing for another day of delayed or canceled flights in the wake of that holiday weekend chaos. We're going to have the latest 
and the airline's new message to tens of thousands of frustrated passengers. Plus, if you had to guess the number one risk facing police right now, would you guess COVID? An inside look at some startling new numbers as one officer's widow begs first responders to get the vaccine. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We're back 7.30 with a pretty look at the New York City skyline on a Tuesday morning, 12th of October, 2021. Never gets old. It never, no. It never gets old. Yeah. And all the people said, wait, it's the middle of October That's exactly already? What I was oh, my yeah. gosh. Christmas is almost here. Yes, it is. Let's get to your headlines here at 7.30. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is accusing the U.S. of creating tension on the Korean Peninsula and is now vowing to build an invincible military in his words. Those remarks coming during a speech in front of a rare exhibition of weapon systems. Kim says his drive to build up his military is not targeted at South Korea and that there shouldn't be another war pitting Korean people against each other. He called the United States a source of instability in the region. Now to some frightening video from right here in New York City. It shows a man trying to abduct a child, but fortunately he didn't get far. Watch as a grandmother of three small children walk into frame to the left of your screen. A man covered in a blanket approaches, suddenly <gasps> swoops down, yanks the young girl from her grandmother's grasp and runs. Frantically, the grandmother chases him. Don't worry, they're good Samaritans. They went after the man, eventually set the girl free. The suspect got away initially, but was later caught and arrested. Man. All right, guys, also this morning, Southwest is issuing a new apology to ten tens of thousands of passengers after a long holiday weekend filled with canceled and delayed flights. The airline is also trying to shed more light on what led to this travel nightmare with problems expected to continue today. NBC Sam Brock is at Miami International this morning with the latest. Sam, good morning. Savannah Hoda, good morning. When the smoke cleared on Monday, more than half of all Southwest flights were either delayed or canceled with passengers waiting in long lines again. Guys, both Southwest and its pilots right now agree the crews were not in the right place, but they say it had nothing to do with protests over a mandatory COVID vaccine for workers. This morning, a repeat performance for Southwest Airlines after a weekend of mass flight cancellations is now spilling over into the week. What would you say your frustration level is right now on a scale of one to ten? 100. Frustrated passengers coast to coast faced another flurry of cancellations and delays Monday around 1900. 
I started looking through and there's just nothing, nothing, nothing um, for like the next few days. Southwest issuing a new statement apologizing to customers and explaining the numerous cancellations were primarily created by weather and other external constraints, which left aircraft and crews out of pre-planned positions. The Dallas-based airline also noting the operational challenges were not a result of Southwest employee demonstrations. That's a reference to concerns the company's recent mandatory COVID vaccine policy for employees prompted some of them to sit out in protest. Shortly before the Southwest scheduling issues began, the airline announced last week that due to new federal rules, all employees had to get vaccinated by December. How do you know that is not related to what's just happened the last four days? Because our sick rates are right in line with, with, with where they were this summer. Um, during an exact same situation as far as a meltdown. Last Friday, the Pilots Association did request a temporary restraining order from a federal court to pause the mandate, the group's president says, to discuss concerns about the vaccine. Though their roughly 9,000 pilots blame the current mess on old technologies, lean staff, and an inadequate scheduling process. This is something we've identified for the past four years, and, and we see these same issues occurring Issues that have left an estimated 100,000 passengers blindsided by this breakdown. Like Liz from Chicago, looking to recoup her lost money and time. Do you think, Liz, that Southwest owes it to passengers to refund their money? Yeah, for sure. It's the inconvenience. I was supposed to be home yesterday, and I'm still here. Just so frustrating for folks. Um, how much longer does Southwest think this is going to go on? Savannah, that is the million-dollar question so far. Southwest has not provided a timeline. Travel industry experts tell us you want to be underneath 10% of all flights delayed or canceled. And yesterday, we know it was five times that for Southwest. It does appear that buyouts and attrition right now in difficult economic times are adding to their staffing issues. Savannah? What a mess, Sam. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, the wife of a police officer who died from COVID making a heartbreaking plea at his funeral, urging other officers to get vaccinated. Well, we are going to hear from her and take a closer look at why so many first responders are so hesitant to get the shot. But first, these messages. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. This Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I mean, the country. It is the twists, the turns, the crazy. With craziness. the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Break it down for us. Just You'll just get fresh insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up yesterday. to date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. 
Back now, 740 with in-depth today. This morning, troubling news about COVID's impact on members of law enforcement. Yeah, according to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, the virus is now the leading cause of death for officers nationwide, more than firearms, more than traffic-related fatalities combined. NBC's Kerry Sanders joins us now with more. Kerry, good morning. Well, good morning. By their very nature, first responders are on the front line, which means that they're in the crosshairs of coming into contact with folks who may have coronavirus. But some officers are also among those groups that we've seen who are hesitant to get vaccinated, questioning the science. But this morning, the statistics reveal the number one cop killer nationwide is now COVID. St. Petersburg police officer Michael Weiskopf recently died in the line of duty. An 18-year veteran who was unvaccinated was felled not by a bullet, but by COVID. Officer Weiskopf's wife at his funeral talking to his brothers and sisters in law enforcement. The virus is lethal. You do not want to take this battle on. I promise you it's grueling, dangerous, and it will destroy you. On Monday, two North Carolina law enforcement officers who died from COVID laid to rest. Their vaccination statuses unknown. Since January, one of the nation's largest police unions counts 724 officer deaths due to COVID. Officers in Texas, Florida, and California with the highest death tolls. Number one cop killer right now is COVID-19. Like a bulletproof vest, public health officials say the vaccine saves lives. That analogy of the bulletproof vest is like the vaccine. It protects you from the unknown. It protects you from the virus. That's an analogy you find fault with? I don't find fault with it. I think it's two separate things there. I think, again, you don't have to wear that vest, um, and you should wear that vest, and officers sometimes don't wear the vest when they go into some of these situations. The vaccine is the same thing. Police unions, like the Fraternal Order of Police, have urged members in departments where vaccines are not mandated to nonetheless get vaccinated. COVID, they tell the union, is an equal opportunity killer, no matter age, race, or gender. But in San Jose, California, veteran officer Dave Gutierrez quit rather than get vaccinated. To me, it's, you know, my faith, my belief in what I know my body and what I want to put into it. So my choice is, is not to be vaccinated. For the past 12 days in Los Angeles, vaccines have been required. But the sheriff fears if he enforces the mandate, he'll lose up to 10% of his 18,000 member force. As I said, no, I'm not forcing anyone. Because most departments don't keep statistics on who is vaccinated and who is not, it's unclear what percentage of law enforcement who've died from COVID skipped a jab in the arm. During Officer Wivescoff's eulogy, his widow's words sobering. This was not Mike's time. My goodness, Carrie, sobering is right. What, what, what do we know about some of the main obstacles that police leaders say they are encountering and trying to get officers to get the shot? Well, anecdotally, police unions say those who seem to be most reluctant to get vaccinated are young officers who have the mistaken belief because they're young, they will not get sick. Interestingly, it's often those young officers who are out on patrols and most likely to have contact with the public and likely expose themselves to coronavirus, correct? Kerry Sanders for us this morning. Kerry? Thank you. All right, 7.44, a good time for a check of the weather with Mr. Roker. Yeah, Ooh, and we're looking pretty. at the Aurora Borealis. <gasps> Aurora Borealis. This is
guys oh. from northern Minnesota, and how spectacular is this? And a lot of folks in the northern uh, climes of our country are getting to see it. Why? Well, over the weekend, we have had a mass coronal ejection from the sun. Let's show you the sun right now. Boom! There you go. An Earth-facing solar flare, giant volcano exploding toward the Earth, sending electromagnetic energy into our atmosphere. And so what that does, it starts reflecting, and that brings the coronal area down, and the we start to see this area for the aurora borealis come further to the south the aurora oval auroras reaching as far south as the northern parts of minnesota the upper midwest and northern new england clear skies tonight you may get to see it again not quite as intense but it'll still be pretty impressive now as far as the rest of the country got a winter feel going on out west with temperatures anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees below average from portland salt lake los angeles about six degrees below average tell you right on almost 19 degrees below average. But next few days here in the east, it's going to be gorgeous. 70s in Cleveland, New York, Roanoke, Nashville, on into Chicago. We're looking at temperatures anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees above average. So we're enjoying a little bit more summer as we move on into October. And that is your <laughs> latest weather. All right, Al, thank you so much. Coming up, we're looking forward to this one. Have a little catch up with our pal, Dylan Dreyer. Oh, no. oh wow. My three sons. Look at that. Rusty. Rusty. We got Ollie. We got Cal. We got Dylan and her other baby, her very first children's book. Let's hold it up high. Misty, the cloud has become reality. Yay. Hi, Rusty. Hi, Cal. Hi, everybody. We'll talk to Dylan and the crew coming up. Love you. But first, these messages. Well, they say all good things must come to an end, and that was the case on Jeopardy yeah. last night. Matt Amodio's epic winning streak it came to a close, but not before he cemented his place in the quiz show record books. Maybe they should just let Matt host the show. I mean, he won 38 straight. Yeah. Uh, 38 consecutive Always games. Always stirring the pot. The, uh, what is stirring the pot? <laughs> By the way, the 38 consecutive games, that's the second longest streak ever, second only to Jeopardy legend Ken Jennings himself. Ken still holds the all-time record of 74 games. Mm -hmm. Well, adding to Matt's impressive feat, he got 1,299 correct wow. clues. And what is arguably the most important stat of all, he took home one and a half million dollars. Yeah, he yeah. said he was going to have to wow. switch from TurboTax to get like a real <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. Saving for his kids' uh, tuition. Yeah. Carson's going to join us for Pop Star in just a few minutes. No need to worry about the colder weather on the way. Jill Martin's going to keep us warm with the latest batch of steals and deals as well. Coming up.